This is Amateur Logic, episode 184, for August 25th, 2023. Amateur Logic is brought to you by ICOM. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the AC, stay cool with ICOM. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Emil. And I'm Mike. And it's great to be back with you again. We've got, well, some follow-up from this year's Huntsville Ham Fest. Uh, three of us were there in the Southern Hemisphere, <laughs> uh, along with uh, a lot of our friends this year. We had a good time in Huntsville. Oh, yeah, it was a great time. Uh, yeah, email was there. Mike didn't make it this year. One year, though, you, you and Jerry got to come down. I had uh, big hopes, but it didn't transpire. I mean, summers are, are my busy time with work and all, but um, just couldn't make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe. We'll see. So, wow, what, what's been going on, Tommy? Just a ham fest and trying to stay cool, man. The weather's been so hot. Just haven't done out much outside stuff these days. Oh, yeah. But it's been like 106 most of the week. Yeah. It's been terrible. So, other than uh, playing around on the computer, I honestly haven't even been on the radio that much. I need to get on the radio some of these hot days where you can't get out. Uh, email, what's been going on down there? Well, I'm redoing the shack lately. I took some time uh, to uh, take things apart and roll back some coaxes and take things out of my uh, entryway to the shack and going to redo some things. And in the meantime, getting ready for uh, the October Ozone Amateur Radio Club Ham Fest coming up. So uh, I'll probably have a couple of tables or two and uh, we're doing a forum as well. I got a talk over there. So. Getting ready. What's the temperature like in the shack, Emil? Yeah, the the temperature is swinging pretty wildly with my window unit. Uh, that's one of the things I think I'm going to work on. Get some more uh, cooling capacity, possibly, for that uh, room and uh, do some better insulation and things. That's why. That's one of the reasons I'm redoing it, George. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mike, I know you've had a cool wave up there. Yeah, I wasn't going to rub it in, but since you brought it up, um, may as well. August August has been just fantastic. Uh, Mid seventies during the day and uh, low sixties at night. Uh, and that's not in Kelvin, right? Nope that's that's Fahrenheit. Wow, Emil, your ham fest is October sixth and seventh. 
<laughs> Thank you, Tommy. I saw I saw that from Glenn. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. Would you would, would you like us to put it in your Google Calendar? <laughs> yeah, we might have to put an entry <laughs> so I show up for my own forum. Yeah. <laughs> you could just have AI do it for you. There you go. Heck, you could have AI just go to Hanfest for you. Yeah. How do we even know you're here tonight? Hmm. Uh, it's uh, cheap wardrobe. Oh, okay. Well, let's get on into the show here, Mike. I think you're the first one up. I don't know. I don't think this is an email. This is. This would be kind of long distance to be coming from email. But no, but it, it's certainly uh, certainly newsworthy. Yeah, uh, definitely. This happened a, a couple of days ago, and congratulations to India for being fourth country to land a spacecraft on the moon. So uh, really, uh, really a good accolade for them. And um, to make things even uh, more difficult or more challenging, it's where they landed um, on the moon that was really the challenge because where they landed, and actually I don't know if you can see on, on my uh, background, but there's a, there's a picture of the moon. And at the very, they landed in the very south pole of the moon. Whoops, this way. Um, the yellow dot is the uh, Sandrian 3 uh, lunar lander. And uh, you can tell by the terrain there or the top topography that there's, uh, there's loads of craters. And uh, one of the primary missions of this uh, particular launch was uh, for uh, detecting water on the moon. And uh, they're hoping to find frozen water in the shadow areas of the craters. And that's why they chose the South Pole, uh, where there's lots of craters, as you can see. And actually, you can even see some shadows there. So um, you never know. They might detect, uh, you know, actual physical evidence of of, uh, water on the moon. That's a good idea to try down there, because if there's any water on there, it's going to run down to the bottom like that. Before it drips off. That's right. <laughs> yeah, they were thinking, <laughs> thinking ahead. Tommy. <laughs> yeah, the moon kind of looks. But like, it's pretty hard to land upside down, though. Yeah. Pretty much. You had oh, yeah. actual friends at the Hamfest this year. The hat, who's in the chat room tonight, K2PAG, found the cheap hat, the non-dog chewed cheap hat. I met uh, John in person. That was great, great time. Great to meet him in person. Finally, is that, first yeah. time is that for hat me. from Vermont? It says VT on there. <laughs> VT, yes. This is the ambulance. Uh, if you check the ambulance uh, button on checkout when you buy these oh, hats, okay. you get the so, ambulance edition. So that hat's intended to be viewed through a rearview mirror on a car. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The first hat I saw uh, was during uh, breakfast. Um, at the uh, hotel we were in, uh, the Spring Hill Suites across the uh, road from the place, and uh, a few locals were there. This is a, a person who's in the uh, Jefferson Amateur Radio Club, I believe, and uh, we uh, hooked up with him for breakfast. First hat I saw coming out of uh, the elevators. Yep, he's he's always at Huntsville. I, I got to speak with him to this this uh, last weekend as well. And there's another Jefferson Amateur Radio Club with the uh, I'm Not Don Wilbanks uh, <laughs> pin there. And uh, Scott is, is also uh, a local to our area in Metairie. 
and there's Chip, sideways Chip, and and uh, he. I'm gonna have to be careful when I'm talking to Chip because he apparently talked to my father for quite some time and and apparently got the lowdown in, in dirt. And and speaking of my dad, he enjoyed the uh, event. It's the first time he's ever been to one of these events. Well, actually, I take it back. He went to Rain because they had crawfish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh this is the first uh pretty, you know, decent sized ham fest he's been to and uh you'll see a little bit later why he actually came um with me here. So good old cheap pops. Uh and he is not a ham. He's not. There's a story there. My my grandfather, uh his dad was a uh operator, a, a radio and navigator on the C-47s in the South Pacific during World War II. And he wound up being um, avionics and radio electronics shop for the Air Force when he came back in the National Guard. So pretty cool story. I think I know where I got it from. Hmm. You you know I'm going to find the right tables at these places. So I definitely found the right tables here. <laughs> uh, quite, a, quite a good selection of... Uh, each dollar each cheap they even had a three dollar bucket there and i'm I'm pretty sure that how headset is probably not in the three dollar bucket yeah i tried to read the sticker on it It didn't look like three dollars to me but i couldn't see it the flea market at huntsville is phenomenal if you've never been so uh but you got to find the one dollar and the three dollar i didn't find any free ones though i'm sure if i would have went sunday there would probably have been some free things well, that's because there was somebody there that was cheaper than you and got to the goods before you did. That's right. Yep. Uh, you could have had a a free right ear from a set of monster earbuds that I purchased Uh-oh. there. Uh, there was a, a vendor that had a stack of them, man, all in the boxes. And I said, monster earbuds for 10 bucks. You know, I don't have any Bluetooth earbuds. I that's probably a deal. Well, it is, but uh, apparently for ten bucks you only get the left ear. That's the same guy you bought the battery that wouldn't charge from. That is, but I also bought the IC seven thousand. Well, is that who you got it from? Yeah, and it's been it's been fine. Well, into the videos for tonight. Well, this first one is one that a guy that emailed met up with there. And had a little chat with about uh, well, a little-known digital mode. All right, this is uh, Emil, the cheap old man. And I found uh, AJ4W, uh, the name? Joe Walker. Joe Walker, who uh, has got a story in uh, something about the uh, FT8 and how many grid squares you yeah, had worked. Yeah, that's, uh, people try to work as many different grid squares. The whole world is broke down into two degrees by one degree grid squares. And VHF uh, amateur radio operators try to work as many as they possibly can and get them confirmed. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to work them, but it's something else to get a grid square confirmed. Got to log them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wish I could work all of them, but I have uh, worked and confirmed uh, Greenland. Uh, just this past June, I worked uh, Isle of Man and Wales on six meters. So... Uh, that's if you look it up, you'll find out that's a pretty good trail. Uh, cycle twenty-five is starting to kicking. 
Yeah, well, we want it to keep kicking. <laughs> what kind of what kind of equipment are you using? Uh, I've got several pieces of equipment, but uh, my pride and joy is a Yazoo FT 101 MP. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They gave me this cap. <laughs> so. That's nice. And what? Uh, so the area you're covering is um, you said Greenland and uh, the UK. Um, uh, what other kind of work, like FT8 wise, are you doing a lot of uh, local? Like, what's the distance as usual? Well, six meters is a band that uh, it, it opens up to different parts of the world on different days. A friend of mine just worked in Hawaii the other day on it, so which is another friend worked in Japan, but I've never heard Japan on six meters. Um, but I have worked Greenland and Iceland, so. You know, it's it's just according to what six meters is doing at that particular time when you're in there, being in the right place at the right time. That's right, and I've often heard it referred to as the magic band. So it's all about the timing. It's all about it. If you ever get never have caught a band opening on six meters, you don't know what you're missing. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've worked quite a bit of uh, FT8 in my uh, cheap adventures with my radios you know you really can get there's times where i know i cannot even see the signals on the uh bands and you can still the computer's decoding it it's there nothing's there but the the computer program uh combined with the ft8 program itself uh yeah joe taylor wsjt weak signal joe taylor that is an awesome suite of applications they wrote. And, uh, let's let's don't leave out the, the fact that he won a Nobel Prize for developing that uh, software system and gave it to the amateur radio uh, community. So He said the magic word, it's free. <laughs> and this, the software is free, equipment not so much, and of course it takes the, uh, the noggin to uh, make it work for us. So. That's an awesome story. I appreciate that uh, talking with us. Thanks for interviewing me. All righty. Roll, Tide, roll. Ah, you You had to bring it up, Mike. They roll this next Saturday. (laughs) So, six meter FT8. Is that a little unusual? I mean... Is some of the distance he was talking about um, is awesome. You just got to catch it, right? And I guess since the cycle 25 is kicking, like we said, I mean, that's uh, that's not too many. There's not too many FTA contacts in my six-meter log at the moment. So, yeah, unique. Well, I got a video here. This is from the ICOM booth. You know, we always like to stop by there and visit a little bit. I'm at the ICOM booth, of course, at Huntsville Ham Fest. Ray, you've lost a little weight. <laughs> no, Ray's out in Tokyo this weekend. Join the uh, sushi and whatnot over in Japan at the Tokyo Ham Fest. I saw him uh, on some posts he had done on social media. Looks like he's having a good time out there. Daddy, uh, Daddy looks like he does. Uh, I've seen a couple of posts as well. Uh, posting, uh, what was it, a sh- sushi dinner? Yeah. Yep. I saw that post. And this is Greg Popovich, KF2M. And what do you do with ICOM? I work in the tech support department. I am one of the people that answer the phone when you call up. I specialize in uh, uh, the RSP01 product and LIM mobile products and, of course, our IP products as well, like the VEPG4 and the IP radios. So how have things been going? Uh, are you? Do they have gear in stock now? And is it... Uh, 
Of course, Still. like everybody else, yeah. everybody's going through shortages, trying to get product to, from point A to point B. Uh, just like everybody else, ICOM is just as affected. Now, we're trying our best to get as much product over to the U.S. as quickly as possible. But, again, you know, circumstances being as they are, we have uh, tough problems getting the uh, products here. So what would you say, I mean, I know you're not necessarily an amateur salesman. What would you say is still or is the new, whichever, what's the hottest product you got going right now? 7300. 7300 and the 705. They seem to be the hot product uh, with ICOM. Really? People are are grabbing onto the 705s? Yes, they are. Uh, They like the uh, the low power uh, for activations for POTA, SODA. So uh, it's a quite popular radio, along with the 7300. And the 7610 as well. That's another popular product with ICOM. Yeah, I can see that 7300. I mean, it's been years now that it's just just changed things. Yes, uh, in 2016 when that radio was released, it was a game changer. It was the first SDR radio released from ICOM, and uh, it just took off. Do you do any bench work there, or are you strictly... Uh, strictly tech support, uh, though I do have my own bench for testing products, uh, you know, testing things like that. Uh, occasionally I do some repairs uh, for the tech support equipment that's there in the New Jersey office, which is where I work from. What's the next Hamfest? That I don't know. For me, uh, yeah. probably be uh, Mullica Hill in New Jersey, which is where I'm from. That's where our ICOM office is on the East Coast. I don't know if I saw you at Dayton this year or not. Yes, I was there. Yeah, it was my first Dayton. Okay. What did you think? Uh, oh boy, <laughs> a little overwhelming at first. Yeah. Uh, massive people. Uh, very big ham fest. Now, I'm used to the, the Jersey ham fest, like the Sussex ham fest and Mullica Hill, which are fairly large, about as large as uh, Huntsville, but Dayton was a whole new experience. What do you think about Huntsville? Oh, love it. People here are wonderful. Uh, very friendly people. Really enjoy it here. Everything's indoors, too. That's true. That's true, compared to Dayton. Yeah. What amateur product do you use? Okay, uh, Icon products. Uh, got a whole load of them. Uh, 9100, 705, of course, 51A. Uh, let's see, what else? T7H, yeah. 7000 that I have in my Jeep. I love 7000. I got two of them. Oh, great radios, great radios. Uh, can't get enough of it. Thanks for talking with us, Greg. It was good to meet you. Nice meeting you, George. And I hope to see you, well, it'll probably be Dayton next year. Oh, you never know. Yep. Never know. It's wherever they ask me to go to. 7-3. Right. 73, you take care. Nice chatting with Greg there. Yeah. Seems Real like nice I thing. may have talked to him on the phone before, yeah. possibly. I remember seeing him at uh, Dayton now, mm-hmm. now that I talked with him there. I remember seeing him there. Uh, yeah, Ray is, I don't know if he's back in the country yet or not. I think they were having a big time over there. In, yeah. I think Japan. I saw him. I think I saw he was at the airport, headed to the airport to come back. Okay, cool. We're going to take a quick break and come right back because uh, we're not even halfway done yet. We got a lot more video to go. From base stations to portable models, ICOM has the best radio for working your favorite bands this summer. Whether outside enjoying sunny skies or inside by the AC, stay cool with ICOM. 
Explore the world of microwave with ICOM's new SHF Portable, the IC905. This all-mode rig covers 2 meters, 70 centimeters, 1.2 gigahertz, 2.4 gigahertz, 5.6 gigahertz, and with an optional CXG10 transverter, 10 gigahertz. This transceiver also has a few industry firsts of its belt. It's the first to support the five major global bands from VHF to SHF. The first power over Ethernet powered RF module designed to be at the base of the antenna to eliminate signal loss and the first to be compatible with amateur TV in analog FM mode. Other features include large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, easy digital mode settings, supplied high-performance GPS antenna, full D-Star functions for DV and DD mode, and an SD card slot. Aim higher and enter the world of SHF. The ICOM IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing the generated inherent noise in different IF stages. This is the radio that chains away entry-level HF has designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This radio brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. The IC9700 is an all-mode transceiver loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Expect top performance on field day with ICOM's IC9700. The IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR independent dual receiver and dual digi cell. For more information about all the great ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com amateur. Is this an actual email? This is an email, not an email. We got an email, too, right over here. Yeah. But we got an email right here. What does it say? Well, first of all, this is from my friend Lee, uh, KB6LEE. It's about uh, Blue Eddy, my Blue Eddy device I used at Field Day. So anyway, it says, I'm a big fan of ALTV. Thanks to you. And George, Emil, and Mike for doing that. I'm wondering about using the Blue Eddy EB3A during field day. Did I hear a gong from Emil? Ha ha. <laughs> but it's uh, it is it's old man compliant, cheap old man compliant. Uh, where did you get the connectors for for the DC five five two one connectors? Uh, connections. I'm sorry. I can only find ones with pigtails that are much too small for 10 amp at 12 volts. Seen connectors with screw lugs, but I can't find them anywhere. It seems the screw lugs would allow 12-gauge wire, which would be the right size for the task. How did you connect the radio? As a side note, I'm thinking of using the EB3A as a UPS for my rig full-time. Maybe these topics are something you can cover in future ALTV episode. 
By the way, would you consider a side video from a viewer like me on something like this? Thanks for all you guys put into this and have day jobs. Uh, Lee, 73, KB6LEE. Um, the connectors I used were the ones with the little screw terminals on it, and I used it with my 705, which doesn't draw near the 10 amps that that radio, that uh, that device can put out on those little coaxial connectors. Um, I did look on Amazon for some. Uh, originally, I was going to make some cables, and I couldn't find any. I found these on eBay, and uh, I checked with George where he gets his parts. Parts Express, I think, was one of them. And where was the other one, George? Mm, Jamaco. Yeah, Jamaco. But I, I did see Parts Express has them for about a dollar a piece. Um, but I couldn't get them in in time for uh, for my segment and for field day. So I just used those little ones, which were plenty big enough for power in that little 705. It doesn't use much current at all. Yeah, I usually use the screw terminal ones these days. Mm-hmm. I've got a few pigtails of um, the ones like you showed there in the photo. But mm-hmm. uh, screw terminal ones, you know, that's what they're using on all these LED lighting projects and things. Uh-huh. So I I figure they carry a little bit of current. I don't know about 10 amps. Yeah, though. I'm not sure about 10 amps. Um, but the ones with the uh, the pigtails on them, like he's talking about, they're already made. Like somebody cut it off the end of a cable and you could just join the wires together. Yep. Um, but uh, I like the ones like I just showed there. I used to get those at Radio Shack. Those were size M. Uh, M as in Mike. I remember the size because I used to buy a bunch of them. Uh, and I had not planned on mentioning it, but now that you talked about that, I stopped by the BioNO booth there yeah. at Huntsville and salivated over some of those <laughs> batteries there. Um, picked. I mean, they're about the same size as I would expect mm-hmm. for a battery with that current, but they're much, much lighter. Yeah, they weigh nothing. And they had something there that's kind of like your Blue Eddy thing, mm-hmm. very similar to it. And I was quizzing the guy about it, and it looked good and had the capacity. Price was, yeah, yeah, it was, I guess, not unreasonable for something like that. But he kind of steered me towards some of their other batteries, and they said for you know, ham radio applications, and we kind of prefer this, mm-hmm. these other batteries over here. So I'm thinking, yeah, for, for um, you know, a high current key downs, probably that, those mm-hmm. type of batteries aren't necessarily yeah, the probably, best. It's probably not ideal. It depends, mm-hmm. depends on how much current. Now, on the 705, it's, well, it's yeah, worked be, out just fine. Be fine for that, but a 100-watt rig might be a different story. <laughs> yeah. And as, as far as uh, using it as a UPS... It does have the functionality built in. Um, it switches, but I noticed when I played around with that, the light blinks, and you can see the flash. So I don't know if the switching's fast enough. Maybe I will do a segment on that and experiment with that. Hmm. See what okay. the delay is or something. But, but anyway. We're uh, on a pretty good discount during the Amazon Prime Day. And, yeah. And uh, I would be on the lookout on a Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm real happy with mine, but I also I like my 50 amp battery that I made too. But yeah, I like your 50 amp battery that you made. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and his, his other part of his question was about uh, accepting uh, segments 
some viewers on that. We, we've done that in the past, so um, we'd be open to looking at it. Yeah. Definitely. I got an email. No, I don't. I've got a video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't have an email. Did you make uh, a video of the email? No. No, <laughs> it's not that. But it is a video of someone you might recognize. Huntsville Ham Fest is always a good place to get together with good friends. And, of course, Richard Stubbs, one of the best. Hey, George. Good to see you and Tommy again. Always a pleasure. So, Richard, how many years have you been with MFJ now? This is 34 years, I think. And I may be adding one or two or or subtracting one or two. But, yeah, I think it's been about that. And MFJ's been around, what, 51, 52? 50, this is the 51st year that we're in now. We just turned 50 last year. So that was uh, 1972 was when he started the business and still here. Wow. That's, that's quite a while. It, the younger people out there, Newhams, may not know what all MFJ does, but you've got two or three products I mean, can you just give us a, a brief idea of Dennis. Yeah. two or three uh, products that add up to about 2,000 products overall. But, yeah, we're still uh, making the SWR analyzers, the manual tuners, the automatic tuners, the SWR watt meters, the dummy loads, all the essential products that you need to make up an amateur station for testing or for tuning or and antennas galore. As you know, we got a bunch of antennas. You've put up a few of them over your years and, uh, of course, had a lot of fun doing it. Like that, that little comical video you did with the black and white version was hilarious. <laughs> and anyway, yeah, we came out with a new one now. This, this is going to be fun because I'm going to send this back with Tommy. Uh, this reveals a little tuning chart on the bottom of here. Let's see if we can get this to come open. Right there. You add this on here. You got 40 through 6 meters. Hey, Jocelyn. There's another weirdo. <laughs> that's who we hang out with. Yeah, that's that's that, we, we hang out with a lot of guys that like to do the Spock thing. And But anyway, you set that up. That can go 40 through 6 meters, and it's a true POTA antenna because it all telescopes down. So when I hear Tommy does a lot of that stuff. And it's collapsible. He can go in his backpack, and he can carry something out and set up an antenna in, in seconds and be on the air. So these things are going like hotcakes. So we're going to send Tommy back with one of these to play with. Uh, what do those go for? One forty nine ninety five for a 40 through 6 meter vertical that's collapsible, truly portable, and I think that's impressive. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's so we still are having a few new things come out, but you know MFJ's been around forever because. Most of the products that you have over here are essential tools for the ham radio station, that's for sure. So it's not just MFJ. Y'all are a, a group of companies. You've got several yeah. others as well. Ameritron still hanging in there. we got all the solid-state amps. People still buy tube amps to, to get some real high power out on their stations. And then, of course, we got high-gain rotators. Uh, vertical antennas, beam antennas. We added Cushcraft, Mirage, and Vectronics. We just got some Mirage amps back in finally. 200-watt, uh, 2-meter amps, and we sold two of them. I brought two of them. We sold both of them. 
So evidently there's still a need for that too as well. Tuners were always a big thing with MFJ. Do y'all still sell tuners? Right there behind you, George. There's all the manual tuners, and then the next section over, and then the automatic tuners are still the rage. That 939 that you advertise forever has been uh, an awesome vehicle. And uh, super fast, nanosecond tuning, and uh, 1.5 to 1 SWR in most cases. So, yeah, very effective. What ham-fast will you be at this year? I know you're here. Yeah. Unfortunately, the company decided not to do all the small ham fest anymore, which I loved. And you, as you and I know, we got to eat crawfish together. Oh, yeah. We got to sing together. You know, I think, no, you didn't no, join didn't in on the singing. That was Emmett. That was Emmett. Maybe Tommy did it. No, Jocelyn. Oh, Jocelyn's son did it one time. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, we've done a few things at the smaller ham fest. You don't get to do at Huntsville and Orlando and Dayton, but we just do those three now. So mm-hmm. you'll see us in February, you'll see us in uh, May, and you'll see us in August. So it's pretty good spacing. Good, good amount of time. It gives us a chance to get everything ready, and get everybody trained, and uh, get going for it. So that's pretty awesome. Product back in stock now? Product back in stock. We're starting to build stock. The amplifiers, I actually brought amplifiers for the first time in almost three years. So we're actually generating some stock now, uh, whereas before you had to order it and then get back ordered and wait for a few months. But now it's starting to come around uh, very well. Richard, always fun to catch up with you at these events and whenever we can. I need to make it up Starville again and you know, yeah, come, just just see, see what's us. going on. Yeah, we'd love to have you and Tommy back up. If Jocelyn could make it, that would be even impressive also. He needs to come down sometime. Yeah. He'll come down for the snipe hunt, maybe. Yeah. You know, I talked to Mike Morno just recently. He put me in a uh, – he reminded me of your Three Amigos uh, picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he put me in uh, – I forgot what it was, but it was quite entertaining. That guy is a, a good Photoshop editor. So he's got a lot of experience with it. You know, a lot of good material to work with, too, though. <laughs> no, no no, doubt. No doubt, especially with you guys. You you look good as three amigos, that's for sure. All right, Richard, great to see you again, man. Good to man. see you, George. Take care of yourself. I should have put the picture of three amigos and had a little sparkle by the teeth or something when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. Shout out on your uh, photoshopping skills there. Yeah, I, I guess I've been called, become infamous if I wasn't already. I think every avatar I have on all my social media is something Mike did. Yeah. That's great <laughs> stuff, man. Yep. Yep. I need yeah, to get all those. Incidentally, that uh, Three Amigos was the one that started it all. I don't know how old that one is, but it's it was the first one. Really? Back in the Google Plus days. Wow. Oh, wow. And let's just be clear, you don't own Photoshop. <laughs> no, you, I, you don't... I don't own... It's like Kleenex. And speaking of Kleenex, uh, Kleenex is pulling out of Canada. Um, the announcement was made, I think, yesterday. I guess uh, the parent company, Kimberly, Kimberly Clark, decided that uh, they're not making enough money and Canada's not a big enough market to make it worth There's their while. not enough so. runny noses in Canada? Well, that's, that's what somebody said, and they said, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's Kleenex, but we, we have facial tissue, so. 
it's it's one of those terms that everybody uses, and it's an actual brand. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll have to start calling it something else now. Mike sent me this, and when I first saw the title on it, I was thinking, uh, man, this sounds kind of like a joke because, you know, right now they've got some fiber optic cables off of the coast of Africa that were cut by falling rocks in in the ocean. Really? Yeah. And they've got a ship over there repairing them right now. Oh. So that's when Mike sent me this post right here. I was thinking it might have been related. Fiber optic cables are natural earthquake detectors. But uh, but no, that's that's not what it was totally, about. Totally different, huh? Yeah. Fiber optic cables make up a vast underground nervous system that meets our growing demand for high-speed Internet communication services. However, signals in the cables can occasionally suffer vibrations from cars driving overhead, nearby construction, or even earthquakes. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Researchers have previously proposed harnessing those convert the thousands of kilometers of underground cables into sensitive seismic arrays. In a new study, researchers from the California Institute of Technology show that fiber optic cables not only detect quakes, they can measure nuances and complexities of the seismic event as well. In one instance, using a 100-kilometer stretch of cable, the researchers were able to pinpoint the time and location of four smaller mini-quakes that made up a magnitude 6 earthquake. I have never thought about that, but I guess, yeah, maybe the cable's getting bounced around. It's changing. They did, and and they talked about that, I think, in another article that I read about that, uh, where they they first came up with the idea um, from cars driving over a road uh, where the uh, fiber optic cables traveled underneath, and they were picking up the vibrations as the cars went across. Really? Wow. Yeah, I don't know, George. That story sounds like it's on shaky ground. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> yep. Give yourself a rim shot. <laughs> <laughs> it's the end of the first day here at Huntsville Ham Fest. Well, it's almost the end of it. Standing here with uh, part of this year's posse, of course, Tommy. Hello. Yeah. Mm. I guess I'm part of the posse. You are? Yeah. So, it's your uh, camera and microphone. You're... <laughs> <laughs> well, here, you, you're in the middle. You hold the mic. Uh, email. Of course. I'm, I'm the cheapest part of the posse, for sure. So, this year's haul, what did you you come along with? I'd say you got a big bag yes. there. Well, it says A-double-R-L. You know, <laughs> you know, George, I always try to renew my membership with the ARRL to keep things good uh-huh. with them. And uh, it's kind of my expiration always falls around this time. So uh-huh. it just kind of works out good for me. But uh, as far as the haul, I'm pretty sure I came away with the cheapest <laughs> haul possibly. Because I, I needed a connector. There's a story here. This is an end connector to a BNC from a uh, receiver that I picked up. For five dollars from a estate sale somewhere else in Slidell, so you know that's what I needed. So, did you pay more for the rig or for the adapter? <laughs> I think they're the same price, so I'm right on par with being cheap all the way around. So, three sixty cheapness right here. Okay, 
That works out. And, of course, our friend uh, Jocelyn from up in the Cincinnati area. Well, I think you were here last year and we got yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. We, I was here last year. We talked a little bit about uh, Chris, how he was doing. Um, and uh, I'm here again this year with Youth on the Air to promote the camp that we do every year to try to keep the youth engaged in amateur radio. And since, since Chris and the, the youth weren't here this year, yeah. we had to cancel the snipe hunt. It, it was going to be kind of hot out there anyway. Anybody? No. Okay. So, Jocelyn, any purchases? Uh, yes. Um, Biano battery, uh, three amp hours for my KX2, so I can do more parks on the air. Um, and then uh, that uh, 1898, we just saw at MFJ. And then what was the other thing? Renewed my membership, like Emil, because mine falls in October, so I'm good. That was about it. And some zip, uh, zip cord for my solar panel. Okay. So, not too bad. If you don't count the membership, it was pretty cheap. <laughs> well, I bought some flea market stuff. I'm trying to think of what it was I did buy. I, I bought two little UTC audio transformers, and there goes Charlie Wooten. Yeah, I bought two little UTC audio transformers that paid a buck a piece for them. Those things on eBay probably sell for thirty or forty dollars a piece. Yeah. So I felt good about that, Emil. That's good. That's good. And I bought something else, and I can't remember what it was. <laughs> Component tester. Oh yeah, I bought one of those little. Uh, it was a fish 88 something i think yeah. uh component tester yeah, we've, shown them on the we've yeah. yeah we've shown them before i've got one but i keep telling my son about it and he works on some guitar amplifiers and things from time to time and i've been trying to explain to him what it is or where he can get it some guy was selling them for 19 bucks with the case and all here so i just bought him one of those so tommy what did you get I had a shopping list this time. I had one thing on it, heat shrink tubing, and I bought some heat shrink tubing for a total of $5. So I'm in, never in a neck and neck with the cheap old man. I think I'm going to just consider myself an apprentice here pretty soon. I'm trying. Um, yeah, that's it. I might buy something else. I've got to go look at those bio-NO batteries. I forgot about that. I kind of wanted to just... I don't know I'm ready to spring, but I need to look. need to look. The show special is pretty decent, free charger. Um, the batteries are about what they sell uh, and for no, no shipping, so it's not bad. I've had one for eight years, and I got a new one, and then I'm getting my third one, so good product. The eight-year one's still good? Still working? Yeah, it, uh, it, it used to be 12 amps. It's probably about 10 now, 10 and a half, but... It, it, it's got its cycles. It's going through a, a lot of stuff, but still works like a champ. So gets me on the air, 100 watts, yeah, about 100 watts for about an hour and a half, two hours, depending on how active I am. So Saturday at a Huntsville Ham Fest, what do you think this year? How are we looking attendance-wise and quality-wise? So 
I'm always loving those uh, flea market tables, and I did find a few tables that had the magic numbers on them, mm-hmm. if, if any numbers at all. And uh, you'll see some of that in some of the photographs I took. Um, but uh, I do kind of have a pre-confession. You know, I'm, I'm kind of holding out right now. Gigaparts has a really good display of Heil headsets back there. Yeah. And I almost pulled the trigger on one from my 991 Go Box that I made, mm-hmm. the cheap old Go Box. And uh, they didn't have the adapter cable for the uh, RJ45 connector, the modular connector for the cable so I didn't quite pull the trigger but something tells me it might happen it might not be cheap old man compliant but it might happen well, well box wasn't cheap old man compliant to start with you can call it the cheap box because you put the sticker on it but I don't think it was cheap true true that can't deny it well everybody I've talked to here said it's a good crowd this year they were, were, have been impressed with it yeah, I would tend to agree. It's been a decent crowd. So I'm going to be back here tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of friends around here. We've seen Don Wilbanks today. We've seen Ted Randall. Just saw Charlie Wooten. Uh, Wayne, KG5RE, is here somewhere. We turned him out this morning. and Yeah, we don't know where he is. But he's around here somewhere. Uh, Chip, K9MIT, is is here somewhere. somewhere? I still have no. not met Chip, so we'll have to fix that. Oh, you Maybe t- you back in the morning? I'm, I'm back here tomorrow till about noon, and then we're going to see okay. you all on the yeah. So there's still tomorrow. There's the tomorrow. night is fairly young. <laughs> nice. <laughs> exactly right. I took it from the master there. Well, you know, a lot of other friends and people we've seen here today as well. Some we know are here, but we just haven't run across them yet. They're hiding pretty good. They are. Uh, Tommy, you want to do the wrap? Well, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Break, break. <laughs> do, just do a break dance. Yeah. I'm going to break something, all right. <laughs> well, it's fun. It was been a fun ham fest. I'm, I'm going to have to go back home this evening, unfortunately, so you guys... Uh, over for me tomorrow. If you see any good deals, cheap deals, uh, remember me. Five dollars worth of heat shrink. <laughs> we tied. That you hadn't been to a big ham fest in how many years? Since before COVID, whenever that was, BC. <laughs> we've got a little. We've got a little while here yet. We've we've got to do an intervention, I think. Definitely an intervention. Although. I don't think I'm going to be able to pull any triggers on my side because tomorrow we're going to go over to the... I'm going to take Peter's advice and head over to the Rocket Museum because I've never been. My dad's here with me, so we're going to head over that way and see it. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That's all we have to say about that's, that. That's, that's it. it. That's it. <laughs> that's all, folks. Drop the mic. <laughs> no, please don't drop that one. <laughs> that one's mine. <laughs> Fun times. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, Chip's pretty pretty uh, elusive, man. I tried to find Chip again, but I never did run across him. Yeah, I'd like to see him one more time. But, uh, yeah. Speaking, oh. speaking of confessions, I, I have a confession to make. I was uh, feeling sorry for myself because I wasn't at the hand bench, and so I got online 
onto Amazon, and I picked up this uh, really cool uh, battery pack. It's a LifePo battery pack, 6 amp hour. Oh, nice. And it'll output uh, 12 volts at 5 amps. So should be good for my little portable rig. Nice. Um, it oh. also outputs 9 volts and as well as 5 volts. So is it cost compliant? I would say so, considering it's LifePo batteries in there, I think. All in all, it was about 56 bucks. So Canadian? Was... Canadian. I so thought that was pretty about... good. That's about forty that was bucks. With the charger. Nice. That's nice. I looked at those back when we were using the wireless mics that we were hauling the big receiver box around mm-hmm. with. I, I was looked at getting one of those to power my uh, receiver. Yeah. So, but anyway, well, it was fun meeting up with everybody. Yeah. Um. Anyway, while we were, uh, probation. I'm on probation. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Not quite double, double uh, probation secret. yet, Mike. It's a, it's not even secret, so <laughs> it's hardly it's hardly a threat. Even. No, it's not secret when they make a sign for it. Oh no! <laughs> I bought a few things there. I, I told you oh, yeah. about my experience with the uh, ten ten dollar left ear only monster earbuds. Uh, that was going to be my deal there, man. Just didn't pan out, so I chunked them. Well, they were cost-compliant. Well, they were, but, you know, if you just put one in your left ear, you're just going to walk in circles. So, I, you know, I, I, it I didn't saw, work for me. I, I saw Wayne walk right past the camera before you said that about Wayne. Yeah. He, he walked right past, yeah. Wow. I did get a couple other things, though. This, well, you know, I typically... Uh, I say typically, no, because I've got a nice Comet antenna on my pickup. But on my Explorer, I've got uh, a cheaper tram antenna or Browning or MFJ or the dual-band antennas that everybody's got that looks the same. I've got got one of those on my Explorer. And I typically use one of the cheaper uh, metal magnetic uh, antenna mounts for it. And, you know, they it's good magnet in it. They hold good. They work well. But they rust after two or three years. So I just happened to run by this. And I know my Comet, the one I've got on my truck, it is not an NMO. It uh, takes an SO239 to screw into. So I had to buy the Comet mount. And I like it, and it's plastic. I found one for an MNO mount there. Uh, this is a Comet one. Plastic top's got rubber rim around it. Oh, you know, it's sealed nice. on the bottom. Yeah, it's a little more than the uh, than the cheap ones. Not real expensive though, but uh, I got that. That was close. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're I, on the I remember we were always poking fun at Tommy for not wanting to drill that hole to put the NMO mount in. Yeah. Vehicle. Well, I'm email I'm using magnets too. I'm about to totally redeem myself. I don't know. It's too late for that. No, 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 no. It's not too late. (laughs) Okay. Because I made another purchase. You know, I I walked through the flea market, and I came up with uh, a little purchase here 
These are UTC oh. brand audio transformers. Hmm. And yeah, 600, I believe these are 600 to 600 ohms. So good for line oscillation. They're used in a lot of audio gear. UTC is a reputable brand. I bought these for a dollar a piece. Mm, I got because okay. I, I knew they were worth more than that. I got home and uh, did a little searching on eBay. Found somebody on there selling them for uh, ninety nine dollars a piece. So you, you need to take my name off of that list. <laughs> All right, I crossed it out. I wrote it. Wait, in before, like, before you do that, before you do that, we sh- we should ask George if you put a, at least a continuity tester across the primaries or the secondary <laughs> and the primaries. Yeah, did it work? Oh, I'm I'm see, I haven't see checked. If they had them. any opens? I'm sure they work though. Um, and I will get around to checking them, but I've got some others of these, and I've got some others ATC brand. I've got. That's like a fetish there. I collect good quality audio transformers. You never know when you're going to need one. And, yeah. That's the first time I've seen one packaged like that. It reminds me of the uh, the ballast starters off of fluorescent. It, yeah, that's what it, it looks like. Yep. Except it doesn't have the two little, yep. tab, little terminals on the end of it. Yeah, but, yeah, it looks... Looks hey, same maybe that's size. what somebody did. They they soldered a couple of wires onto. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Audio <laughs> when they hooked this up, this is going to be really funny. Yeah. They're hard to find, so you know if you think you might need some of these in the future, like if you're going to be hooking uh, an external mixer to your ham rig, you may want one of those. Uh, check the ham fest. I always look around, and, and I've. Bought a number of them at Hamfast, but you don't see them that much get anymore. Them, get some here for ninety-eight dollars. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a pair. That man's a businessman. Yeah. <laughs> like the way you think, Tommy. <laughs> we got one more video from Huntsville. What is this, Tommy? Yeah. Um. We uh we were hanging around there and uh tried to find him earlier, but we ran across Mark Brown. He's the chairman of the Huntsville Hamfest, and had got a chat with him for just a few minutes. Well, we ran into our friend Mark here. Uh, you're the chairman of the Huntsville Ham Fest. We had you on here last year for a few minutes. It's good to see you again. It's good to have a few minutes. It's been a very busy day so far, but very good. Yeah, you've been a busy man. We tried to catch you earlier, and you were just buzzing all over the place. Um, no difficulties, but you know, just logistics issues, uh, little things here. Uh, guy, guy left his uh, uh, his uh, coupons, his prize coupons at the hotel room, but he's wearing a hat with his uh, with his call sign on it. We gave him the prizes. Oh, well, that, so, that's the right little, thing. Little, little things. I mean, if that's the biggest problem we have on a ham fest, uh, a busy ham fest weekend, we're doing good. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of busy, it's kind of thinned out a little bit, which is almost the end of the day, which is kind of normal for any ham fest. It but normal. it was really packed in here earlier today. What you do know, you think about the attendance? Know, since we since we expanded into this entire South Hall, none of us on the committee have a really good feel for what the numbers are. But it feels about like last year, maybe a little better. So last year we had about 5,420, 5,420, maybe a little better this year. We'll, we'll know in about a week and a half when we count and verify the, uh, the attendance numbers. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if it wasn't a little bit more. I know that uh, the flea market area in the back was just absolutely packed and, and I crazy. just came from there. Um, the flea market is still very vibrant. And I'm encouraging all those flea market vendors to sell their stuff. 
because we help folks move in and move out. If they sell that stuff, we don't have to help move it out. <laughs> yeah, I feel where you're coming from. Yeah, but uh, it's a good problem to have. It's there's just a, a good vibe in the room today, uh, similar to post COVID. Yeah. If you remember that, people are excited to be here, and uh, we're just we're delighted to have everyone. Yeah, well, we're all glad to be here. It's been a great ham fest as always. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to head back tonight, but George George will be here tomorrow for a while. Yeah, um, this, this youth lounge just continues to astound me at the popularity and the number of kids uh, going through the youth lounge. Uh, one of the things we, uh, we started new this year, uh, we let the Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts in uniform come in free. Uh, we didn't really advertise it because we just decided kind of at the last minute. Uh, we thought we would have... Uh, between two and five Radio Merit Badge kids come in here. Uh, 27 registered, 20, 23, I think, showed up for the uh, Radio Merit Badge uh, session. And so we're very excited about that. We need more young people in the hobby, and that's that's a great step in that direction. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a great source of new hams for sure. Yeah. And I failed to say your call sign, N4CBD, Mark? BCD. BC, BCD. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh Appreciate the hospitality. It's uh, been world's friendliest ham fest. It's the uh, that's our the mantra. Yeah, that's it, our trademark, and and we we try to live by that. Yeah, it's it's very true. It's very true. Thomas and George, thank you for having me on the show, and uh, we'll see you back next year. Next year. Oh, absolutely, we'll be here. Good to okay. talk to you. Thank you, man. I stayed in the Embassy Suites this year, which is connected to the Von Braun Center. Mm-hmm. I pulled my car in Friday afternoon late. I parked it. The only time I left the building is Wayne and I walked over Friday night to a pizza place that was just, you know, a couple of blocks away from the Ron Braun Center and had a pizza. And then I didn't move my car. We just walked there. Then I stayed inside the complex there for the whole show and didn't leave till Sunday afternoon. So I pretty much could have stayed in air conditioning through the whole weekend. Oh, man. Except, except to walk over there for the pizza. And it wasn't really that hot there. so. Um, oh, yeah, it wasn't near as hot over there as it is here. No. Mm. Email. You kind of hinted earlier that there was a reason that your father came with you this year to Huntsville. There is a reason. And that reason is the uh, Rocket Museum over there. I've never been, never went. Can't say that anymore. And I got to go... <laughs> With the pops on it, uh, so got quite a bit of a uh, bit of pictures here. So yeah, there was this is uh, a screen that was in front of the uh, planetarium show for the um, uh, space telescope that's out sitting out there at L two, and lots of uh, Apollo and other rockets sitting out there. You can't quite understand the scale of this until you see it in person. You see yeah. the people down there at the bottom. Yeah. Well, you yeah, and you can see it coming down the interstate, and you got an idea of the scale then. Yes. Yeah, you can't quite miss this. Yep, there's quite a few uh, different uh, rockets sitting out there in the fields that you can walk right up to. And, of course, if you walk right up to them, you can't see them yeah. <laughs> with the camera. So I took that one from pretty far away. But uh, this center is a NASA center, of course. It's one of their official visitor centers like we have down here. And uh, there it is, the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Now, 
some people might look at this. Let me ask y'all a question. There's a few of these photos if you want to go through them. But uh, what what plane is this, uh, Tommy or George or Mike? It's a SR seventy one Blackbird. SR seventy one Blackbird. You would you would think that, wouldn't you? But it's not. This is the faster one. Oh. Did you know that? No, I, learned, I did not know that. I learned something. I, too, I yeah. never knew this SR seventy one was slow. <laughs> exactly. But uh, this is basically the CIA's uh, model of this one, which was uh, the A-12 ox cart. Is that the one right outside the entrance? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. That's a pretty sleek look from the back there, man. That's a that's an awesome-looking machine right there, brother. Yeah. Looks, yep. looks like they fired it up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember reading somewhere that it was uh, – Flying around 90,000 feet most of the time, and uh, no weapons, of course, mainly fuel. Camera. And faster. Yeah, exactly. That, that's yeah, the part that got me, faster than SR-71. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? Wow. Yeah, that little cone there modifies the uh, air going into it. Now, when you first walk into the place, uh, there's a bunch of... Uh, Artifacts there, really interesting history and pieces parts. This is like a moon drink. I didn't know there was one, but moon maybe. sauce. <laughs> it's moon sauce. <laughs> Just in case something went wrong, it had sauce. And, and there you go. This is a modern space toilet. Looks pretty uh, accommodating. <laughs> Not, hey, wait a minute. It looks yeah. like the vent off an RV. Yeah. <laughs> Our, I think I'll wait till I get home. Or Wi Fi hotspot. <laughs> <laughs> it's an AP. I get it. It, it I get actually it. does look like a Wi-Fi. Yeah. I got one of those Wi-Fi panel antennas like yeah. that in my shed. Um, apparently, I'm thinking some people are gonna be eating bugs because there sure was a lot of uh, insect stuff in this uh, main entrance in the rocket center. I don't know what that's all about, but maybe on Mars we're gonna be eating bugs. Hmm. Maybe and and growing hydroponics here. They had some hydroponics towers there. And landing, there you go. I think this is the one that they're sending back, Artemis, right? And I think this is the one that people are taking rides on now into space, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe this was, uh, I forget what exactly. This is Boeing's, or the, the one that they were met up with up there. Oh, yeah? Hmm. It's kind of like without its outer shell, but that's what it looks like underneath. The ULA program, different rockets. This is right as you walk in, all the newer tech. That's, I believe that's the yeah. SLS stuff where they're launching all sorts of things. Yeah, there's some stuff. This is new stuff. I haven't seen some of this. It's been there since I've been there. I think the last time I went was probably. So here we now here we're getting into the big hall, the uh, Apollo. You can see the engines up to the left there, but that rocket is one of Von Braun's first types, or the, the V2, right? Well, Germany, yeah. I want to say they... So this this is an interesting story, something I learned. That's the actual bike that Von Braun surrendered, I believe, to the Russians on. That's the little white flag there, and he rode up to him and surrendered and wound up in the United States eventually. And I thought you were going to say that's the one E.T. ET was riding on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no basket on the front. Oh, no, okay. That's right. Elliot, it's not Elliot's, that's Von Braun's. 
And there you go. Some of the uh, capsules from before the Apollo missions. Uh, what was it? Mercury? And what was the one before or after Mercury? Uh, Gemini, maybe? Yes. Might have, might have those crossed. But anyway, they had some. They were showing us how cramped it was in there for these guys. There you go. There's a Mercury uh, things where they were working on that escape uh, top rocket at the top there. You see a little tower. Yeah. And also a uh, cramp. There's our tour guide there showing us the uh, ropes and showing us how cramped up it is and just the size in general. Another one, the two seater there, right? It's got two people in there. And this is a, a smaller, like a mock-up, I believe, of the uh, Apollo one side. And right above it is the actual thing. And yeah, there you go. There's, you don't want to be anywhere near this when things happen, uh, for sure. But the scale <laughs> of this doesn't do it justice. It's amazing to see this uh, in person. Yeah. And there's all the pieces, parts, and uh, the different stages towards the uh, bottom. Mostly fuel. Uh, they were giving us some numbers that pretty much blew my mind on the rates of how much fuel it burns, how fast, and uh, how much weight it loses in the first few 40 miles or so. This is just a model mock-up of it, and uh, the actual thing is above us. So he walked us through each of these stages. Again, most of it's uh, fuel, uh, some jet fuel, some uh, hydrogen, oxygen, you name it, and these parts are those towards the end or the bottom of the rocket. And then another stage, you can see these are smaller engines, even though it's still huge in person. And you can see those little, um, I think those little pods, the round spears there. Uh, they use different uh, fuel for each stage and different things to stabilize or uh, keep it cold. And also nitrogen, I want to say, to do some other things here. So pretty interesting stuff. And finally, uh, going up towards the top, you got one engine. And some more of those uh, spears, you can see it, you know, probably from seeing the videos. And, and here's an interesting picture of the the module right before the lunar module at the very top of the rocket. This is what controls the whole thing and synchronizes everything and gyroscope and computer. It's got its own little module. There you go. You can see a little bit closer uh, picture of that ring. There's some amazing stuff happening with some efficient uh <laughs> Operation and code happening. You'll see. It's a minimal computer power too. Like yeah, less computer absolutely. power than you see phone. that a little bit later. Yep. Yeah, I think I see a UTC audio transformer on there. <laughs> you pulled it <laughs> off of here, George. And there's the very top. This is the part they come back home in, right? If you look at it, and it still has the uh, escape thing on it, just in case something goes wrong. And and on the floors, as you're walking under it, they they show you where all the different. Uh, landings were so there you go uh mike has that uh, picture behind him as well including the new stuff from uh, yeah, all, the, all the blue dots are the uh, the actual manned mission landings it's a pretty neat so here's the actual one i forget which mission it was apollo uh was there a 16 i want to say that's what i remember him saying was, or, yeah. uh, there was a, an apollo 16 i think that was the last one actually yeah so this is one of the actual <laughs> Apollo's um, missions, and you can see the parachute there behind it, and uh, pretty pretty hefty mechanical devices here, and that's the door to it. Had to get a close-up of some of the stuff that was on that door. That's amazing. 
as a joke, the tour guide asked us all, you know, hey, what do y'all think happened here? And we all, of course, said, oh, it must have burned up in reentry. He says, no, we dropped it when we brought it here. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So it, the 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 scarring is definitely the burning, but the big <laughs> missing part. So there's a moon rock, the, one of the actual moon rocks they brought back, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, different parts of the spacesuit. At first, I thought this was uh, all the different, you know, uh, different types of suits. No, this is one suit. They custom made these suits for each person, and it has layers upon layers upon equipment mm. on top of those layers. So this is one suit. Everything you see there for one astronaut. The left one looks like the Lost in Space suit. Yep, it does. Wow. And they had some uh, really neat control systems, displays. Oh, there you go. Rescue when they have to uh, fish them out ocean because they love landing them in oceans, right? Yeah. yeah. That looked like a, a life-size version of the mousetrap game. I don't know what this is. <laughs> okay, the lunar module. Okay, yeah, they they simulated a lot of things for them um, here on Earth, and uh, that's one of them. And there you go. Y'all might recognize some of these for you campers out there. But the uh, space they... trucking. Wasn't that... Wait a minute. Wasn't that in Spaceballs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that, so was, these... that was a Winnebago, wasn't it? It's yeah, The Airstream, right? When they came back, they were worried about viruses, right? So they quarantined the astronauts. And this is what they did. They were building all those Airstreams from all the leftover planes from World War II. And this is what they used as a quarantine when they got back. Wow. And you can see there, there's just some things. There's some audio equipment for you, George. Yeah, it looks like uh, it's either a sonium or rinse. Yeah, I think. And some of the crew quarters in it. Yeah, they didn't have this when I last time I visited there. There it is. Y'all remember Skylab? Yeah. Oh yeah. They got a a, a full one of uh, mock up here. I don't think there's anything left of some of them, and you'll see why a little bit later here. This is the inside of Skylab. I said, man, that looks like a dentist chair. He, the tour guide, told us they uh. Just really spun them around in here to see what, what what effects or gravity. I don't know exactly what they were doing, but that was an interesting uh, look inside of the Skylab. That's looking up inside of the Skylab and inside of it. Yep. That's not a toilet either. Well, that's a shower? <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> so I don't think the Skylab was up there too uh, long, and this is what's left of what came back down. Yeah, it burned up coming back down, didn't it? I yeah, thought, you remember that? And, it, yeah. and this piece of it crashed in Australia. And Australia fined NASA for littering. Wow. <laughs> Big old well, solar panels. Well, I talk to Peter. <laughs> I think it was like 500 bucks or something like that. Now, were these at the ham fest? No, no, these... I can't describe the scale of this, but it went all the way to the ceiling. These are huge. Not not for sale, I don't think. <laughs> and lots of engines. There's lots of rocket engines there. Mock-ups and things if you want to see them, of course. There's plenty there to see. And the model of the space shuttle here. That was pretty big, too. Some neat pictures there of some of the bolts for the launch pad. And, and speaking of the computer, here is the computer on the <laughs> Apollo and that ring. There's some tech on there that I found interesting. Uh, that's actually a computer or a module, a unit, 
and the gyroscopes. Some of those connectors, man. Look at those. And there's some memory. There's some. There's a memory circuit. An entire one. Uh, what was it? A hundred K. They had a. Uh, that that other piece that you saw was a hundred K of RAM, by the way. And this is where you can look in real close at it. They wow. had a little magnifying glass, which I don't think came out too well in the photographs. You can see the little uh, uh, toroids, though. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That's, they were looped. It's all a loop a matrix. There you go. 114K, y'all. <laughs> Bits. And there's there's another mock-up of that ring right outside of that uh, computer. They actually go through it in pretty much in pretty detail. And you know, this is pretty cool. You know how the swing out arms where you see them swinging out to the launch oh, pad to get yeah. the astronauts? They let you walk on it. Uh, so you can actually see what it's like to uh, what they saw as they're walking up to this thing. And that's them at the end of that platform getting ready to get onto the spacecraft. They got a bunch of people there getting them ready. And one of my favorites are a replica of the lunar rover because I don't think they took it back, right? Yeah. Yeah, they left them up there, what I understood. <laughs> kind of hard to drive them back. No bridge. Some antennas, I take it. Yeah. That might be VHF or UHF or HF. What you think? I think it's uh, medium wave. Medium? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a delta loop of some kind. Now, Emil, you, since you work in sort of in the space program, why gold? Why do they have the gold foil on there? Um, I'm thinking, and uh, you know, I have no idea. <laughs> That's good enough. It's the government, and it costs more than silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It has an enormous clock. I, I used to know watch. that answer about that foil because I made a model when I was a kid of the lunar lander and it had this gold tinfoil stuff. Lots of different artifacts here. All the missions, patches, and peoples. And uh, Yep, good little board of the actual flight paths. And there, there was one in the lunar lander. You could actually land it. Here. It was like a computerized simula simulation. Yeah, they got one of those down at the Stennis Space Center. And I tried. It's it's hard to see the scale of this, man. <laughs> and no matter how you take that picture, you can't get it all in. It's huge. Is that is that the Saturn V about yeah. overhead? Yes, the real. Uh, uh, yes, with all its stages, and it goes all the way to the end of everything I just showed you. <laughs> all the stages, all the engines give you a look inside oh i thought that was a neat story some of those engines those cones are actually coolant there's coolant running through them right those tubes you see it's yeah. kind of made of yeah monster rocket engines there you go that's a good view of that one of the saturn five or the end inside of them don't want to be on that side no, this is a robot from Lost in Space. <laughs> it's Robbie the Engine. And then outside, too, there was stuff. Uh, it's like some, what, compression or high-compression fans for jet engines or, or rocket engines. <laughs> I didn't climb on it. <laughs> and this, was, uh, this is moving into another exhibit they had. It's the control room they had set up. And uh, it's for the um, basically like different modules of the space station that you see in now. Some of the food at the bottom there 
couldn't pass that up in their menus and what they ate and what they eat. No did crickets, have, I don't think. Did you have a drink of Tang when you were there? <laughs> no, they had they had the space drinks and the freeze dried everything, but I didn't. I was gonna say that looks like a duplexer, but it's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. that's actually a urine processor. <laughs> yes, this is they drink their own yes pee <laughs> from the AP you saw earlier. That one, yes, this is the AP without the pee, and that's a, I think that's a quarters where somebody. Lives or works in a view. A view I think a lot of us have seen some of these pictures of the guys standing in there and ladies. And, you know, they they have a speed limit, apparently. <laughs> Lots of controlled pieces, parts. I guess that's the uh, an arm. And here you go, George. This was one of my favorite things. I had to uh, pick it just to see all the different type of connectors and wondering who's got adapters for all these things. Yeah, that's like military style connectors. <laughs> I used to have to solder those forty pin connectors, make cables. They were a lot of fun. I'm not sure what this was. Rock'em but... sock'em robots. <laughs> it looks like it. It was in there. It's like really short, judging by the feet down there. Oh, that's my shoes. It's a reflection. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And there you go. This is like the module. This is what we were just walking through. You can see it from the outside. Different modules that make all this stuff up. And and here's the uh, the the uh, boosters in the uh, tanks, solid rocket fuel tanks that they uh, make down here in New Orleans, down at the Michoud facility. Back when the, the only thing is the uh, the space shuttle was missing. <laughs> yeah, it's usually it's usually on top of it, but I think they must have it down doing something somewhere. Yeah. Weird. I think this is one of their trainers where they uh the, they have controls that are similar that- in it and pilots fly them. And there it is, the little mock up of a landing strip with another one of the trainers to the left there. I was gonna say that's a pretty short runway. <laughs> yeah, it was just a mock up. And that was that. It was a great time, and uh, my dad really enjoyed seeing that. I think he took more pictures than I did. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty I'll awesome have, place I'll to go. I'll go check that out if I ever get to Huntsville. You'll get there one day. So the last the last piece of that was a, uh hour-long narrated show from uh, NASA on the James Webb Space Telescope. I don't know if you guys have ever been to this planetarium at this place, but it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's huge, like probably bigger than what we're used to in IMAX theaters. It's huge, and it's all the way around you mm-hmm. with extreme stadium seating. But uh, the way they give you this information, they just started this one, I think, with the James Webb uh, telescope show. It's worth seeing. Did you see the dive tank? No. I saw I – saw, uh, Things about it at the ticket thing, but we did not see that. Oh, it's really cool. It's over near the cafeteria area. Okay. But it's it's really cool. They filmed some movies in there. Um, nice. Anyway, it's really neat. Neat stuff, Emil. I, I've been there. It's been a few years. Uh, Wayne and I went one year, and it was like they were about to close. So we just got in kind of like at the last minute. We really didn't have a tour guide. We just kind of got to wander around and... And look for a little while. Yeah, we went. We went and spent the whole day there. Yeah, went to uh, 
We went to a, a movie in there, and uh, I think I think that we went to the planetarium stuff and everything. Went out there was a little area with rides out back. I don't know if that's still there, but we oh, went is. through all it that is. stuff. Every everything it's, we did, every inch of it. Kind of a, a theme forming here because uh, I don't know if any of you have been to the National Aerospace Museum in Dayton, Ohio. But it seems wherever these big ham fests are, there's always a great display of either rockets or aircraft. Um, and for those who've never been to the National Aerospace Museum in Dayton, Ohio, you're really missing out. You yeah. need almost two days to see everything. They have an IMAX yeah. theater. I went to the uh, space thing in uh, Smithsonian. It was really cool. Join us. Wow. When is it going to be? I guess maybe next weekend is the next... Ham College? It would be right on time. September the 1st, so. Yeah, to get everything back on schedule. Yeah. Uh, so the next Amateur Logic is probably the 15th of September? Uh, that sounds about right. So y'all join us then for those two, and uh, thanks for everyone uh, watching tonight, and all you who are going to watch once this is posted. Any final thoughts tonight? Yeah, don't forget to join us for the Logic Net Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks to Tom for putting that on. Uh, I think Marty might be one of the net controls. I'm not sure about the second one. But anyway, uh, usual places. Uh, so anyway, check that out. We always send a notice out. or Actually, Tom's been sending it out uh, right before the net, too, for a reminder. So hope to catch some of you over there. Email. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Keep it <laughs> cheap. I guess I'll take you off the uh, probation list, Mike. I have no words of wisdom other than uh, stay cool, everyone. Um, I wish we could send a little bit of our uh, cool weather down your way. I, I wish you could, too. We could certainly use it. If you do, we'll send you some nice warm weather back up there in February. Perfect. Yep. All right, it's a deal. All right, 7-3, everyone. 7-3. Yep, 7-3, everybody. Good night. <laughs>